0: And we are live for the First Strike Podcast. This is K-Y-T. Before we start the show, I'll plug our sponsor at facefacegames.com, the number one place to get your Magic of the Gathering singles. There's a sale up to 50% off standard singles. So, of course, with the new standard coming in, we're liquidating a lot of the standard stock, and this is the best time to get some standard stuff that you think might uh, go up in price post-rotation or something you might need in, in, that might be a player in Modern or Legacy and other formats as well. Tonight, we got... Andy on the show. we got John on the show. And we got a very, very special guest, someone that I've had on my other show, on the KYT show, when he first uh, appeared on the scene when he took down the Vegas Open with my man here, Final Nub, and Marcus Tebow. Not only that, when he came on the show, he talked about how they, they basically met the morning of that tournament. So that itself, that story alone is really good. And now this past weekend, he decided to take down gp atlanta with ad nauseum tendril welcome to the first strike show cyrus hey thanks for having me kyt i'm happy to be back on (laughs) um i'm surprised okay a lot of questions rushed to my mind because listening back to that old show you talked about how you wish the scg tour would do more events on the west coast and here you are just like i guess flying to the east coast and crushing the legacy tournament
1: well, yeah, I try to fly for the Legacy Grand Prix because all the Star City games is great. It's a, a little smaller stakes. Um, although now you can qualify for the, the player store from it, so that's pretty cool. But it's harder for me to justify flying out for SCGs just because um, I, I really wanted to kind of try and qualify for the Pro Tour for the first time. Um, and I don't know, to me, like, GPs have a little bit more weight just because the Legacy GPs are pretty rare and GPs are pretty rare. Not that the SCG circuit isn't great, but it was. It's, I can't afford to travel for both, you know. So I, I try to fly for the Legacy Grand Prix, you um, can't do both
0: okay Uh, that makes sense and then back to the vegas open when i asked you like if john or or marcus would would influence your deck choice you're like no If if they want me on their team i'm playing storm for sure and how is that deck selection legacy how does that progress to to the list that you ended up piloting at gp atlanta
1: uh well it's a little bit different a new card came out veil of summer so it's like a new green card uh so i added another green land to the deck i actually almost played death and taxes for this tournament like post uh Post War of the Spark, Storm was pretty poorly positioned because uh, new main deck cards were coming out that were good against Storm. So you were no longer very good in game ones against Narset, Part of Veils, and Karn the Great Creator. So I was struggling a lot against those decks and wanted to play a proactive creature strategy that could attack the Planeswalkers. So uh, I, mean, I didn't really feel like playing Delver because I think Delver is a boring deck. <laughs> so I, I played a lot of um, Death and Taxes. But then Plague Engineer and Renizzix came out. And although Death and Taxes is not dead or anything, I thought that Storm was much better positioned against those cards because it essentially ignores them. Um, and I yeah, I just really good matchups across the board. You know, the, the decks are just trying to like this mid-range fair arms race right now. And storm is dark ritual. Like playing a spell-based combo deck is really good against people who are trying to do very fair things.
0: John, John, I'm gonna let you take over to to talk to your ex-teammate here.
2: Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, we, we're we're in the same chat here. Uh, we talk about uh, positions, uh, the positioning of Storm and Legacy all the time, and it's been really interesting to see the evolution of that since our uh, biggest win here. Uh, for those who don't know, I also play a, a bit of Ant and Pest in Legacy as well. And there were there was like a like a one two month period where like you were so uh, down on uh, Storm in general, and Legacy in general that like you really you almost made me uh, sell as uh, storm and the leds and the uh, infernal twitters and all that uh, not really but um can you, can you talk about like what changed during war of the spark and um that era of um uh of legacy and why you thought storm was down and then you know what changed uh afterwards specifically i know you mentioned some cards but just like yeah uh, on a macro level uh, what happened
1: yeah well storm struggles really badly against permanent based hate so uh Karn, the great creator tended to go into chalice shells and chalice decks are storm's worst matchup and narset tended to go into blue white shells which are uh, storm's other worst matchup is the chalice and, and the kind of like the the counterbalance decks you know not necessarily Stoneblade, but the more miracles more controlly blue white decks uh and so those decks were everywhere and had those that were very good against storm so they're both more popular in their deck, even though they were already good and some of your better matchups like Grixis control became not not as good anymore because of narset um and people were just playing with the new cards and legacy doesn't change very often you know it's very rare that a, the whole format gets shaken up so what I kind of felt like was Storm has been getting progressively worse over the years. A few cards have gotten banned out of it. Other decks have gotten new cards. Storm hadn't gotten new cards. And I thought that it's time when the, the sun had kind of come and gone, because what are the chances that Legacy is going to go over an entire macro change? Like Dreadhorde Arcness, that's the other card. Uh, Delver decks became much better against Storm because Dreadhorde Arciness, Um, because they could, you know, outcard advantage. You and just find more counter spells than you had discard spells. Uh, but, you know... <laughs> I, of course, was an idiot to not assume that the very next magic set would bring a bunch of new cards that change the entire format again. So um it went from being uh dominated by Narset and Karn and Dreadhardness to being dominated by uh Renin Six. Everyone wants to play Renin Six decks. Uh and Elvish Reclaimer decks from uh the Turbo Debs decks and Ren6 decks and Elvish Reclaimer decks are terrible against Storm. It is their they're one of their worst matchups. So I lost zero matches to those decks this weekend. Well, my losses to a good matchup, but um, yeah, the whole meta just shifted again where I've never felt Storm was this good. And, you know, it's kind of my... I should have had more faith in the deck. You know, formats change, changed, but just my thinking was Legacy does not change very quickly. Usually things are there for a long time. You can't expect things to get banned. Uh And it's unlikely that we're going to see new cards that will shift away from Karn and Narset, which are very powerful cards. But, <laughs> again, Ren and Six came out and uh, I was just not really expecting that, which maybe I should have expected them to print a broken two-mana Planeswalker. But... Yeah, so I think Storm is really well positioned again. So I wish I had more faith in the deck and I feel a little silly now because I at one point, I think I definitely said that I did not think Storm was going to be competitive again because it would take, the format would have to change so much for that to be true and it, it did.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll just add here, you're quite, you, you were quite the naysayer for a better part of a month, month and a half maybe, but uh, I, I agree that legacy, um, one of the charms of legacy is that um, ju- just that the pace that it moves and the number of cards from the new sets that's like gonna be viable in legacy, it, it takes so much. The hurdle hurdle for being a legacy card is like infinitely higher than the hurdle, hurdle for standard and modern. And to see the entire format going constant upheaval for the last year, it's like, I think it's a bit unprecedented. So obviously you can't uh, predict that, but Legacy is in an interesting spot right now. Like if I can just mention a few of our uh, Ontario slash uh, face-to-face friends of the podcast here, uh, Edgar Maglies. sorry if I butchered through that. Um, he <laughs> did it very well with the, um, what is it called? the uh, four, What I would like to call the four-color snow abomination deck. Um, mm-hmm. Basically uh, anchored by... Uh, uh, arkham's astrolabe i'm playing like the four color good stuff that akin to what the uh, Bolt deck was before ever- yeah, he did he
1: topated a grand prix with a similar four color control deck uh Niagara falls right yeah so that that's been on the up- uh, uprise T-
2: and patel i'm not sure if you've had him here a card before or not but um definitely known in the ontario uh ontario scene as one of the better best players i think he also top eighted with uh our old friend, Ogak. and if you look at the uh Tariq's uh list, it's basically the bad previously banned modern, the that of Good for Blue for uh Careful
1: City and Hedron he Crab, which uh I think Cyrus actually beat him in the quarterfinals. Yeah, he actually went back to back, he also top aided Star City Games Syracuse with it. Uh, so he back, he had he top aided back to back Premier Legacy events. And I asked him about it, you know, because we got dinner the night before day two of the Grand Prix. Um, and we talked about a bit about the deck, and then he tested the matchup, you know, the Storm versus Hogak matchup a dozen times against some of my friends, and I watched, and we talked about the deck and had a sideboard, which is kind of funny because we played in the top eight. Um, but he he told me he didn't even really play, he hadn't played the modern deck before, because uh, he is a doctor, and he's on his residency right now, I guess. Uh, and so he kind of took a little mini vacation to play Syracuse and Atlanta and top eight of both. Um, but yeah, it's basically just the the modern the modern hogak deck uh but with crabs because you can cut faithful suiting for careful study and it lets your mana base be a lot better because you could just be a saltite color deck um and that deck's pretty powerful but anyone who played hogak in modern knows the thing that deck is the worst against is dying on turn three and uh legacy storm's pretty good at winning the game on turn three if it, if it needs to so um yeah and lots of elvis reclaimers there was eight copies of elvis reclaimer in the top eight
2: yeah that, that's very impressive just like it, it's just like keeps astounding me how new sets are just like finding their ways in internal formats uh internal formats here and yeah like definitely like people are talking about like warping their uh rug delver deck which is also um i think it was the most play deck at 12 percent, and it's being on the rise for sure um it's it's just like it's, it, people are talking about like putting reclaimers there as the new nimble mongus or even like uh
1: contorting their deck to have crop rotation caracus like oh every deck played that every all yeah basically every rug number deck played those two cards it seems absurd to me
2: and you know you know all the hate angles that people are bringing against like depth and all that like storm just ignores which is
1: yeah Caracas is not good against Storm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) no not at all (laughs) or crop rotation people
1: basically just cut all their storm hate for depth's hate and worked out <laughs> obviously I, so.
2: I i i honestly think even if you weren't a uh, a real master of the deck storm probably was the best uh best uh, option by far uh last weekend so uh it was very happy i followed along um i followed along um all weekend and uh, yeah I'm, I'm very very excited
1: yeah i only played three matchups that i would consider to be less than you know i hate saying things like 70 30 but like <laughs> i think i only played three matches where i considered them to be less than 70 30 I, I, I thought every deck i played against like as soon as top eight got announced i didn't want to get ahead of myself but i, I did feel if we just ran like a simulation <laughs> of you know decks percentages against each other that ant was the best position deck in that top eight i love that <laughs> a, a, every deck was just they were just not fighting on the axis they were not ready to fight on a spell-based axis um basically so i played almost only good matchups after let's see i had a shaky rounds four five and six i had three bad matchups in a row and i somehow won all three of them to lock up day two and was feeling like well it we can't get harder than this you know and then it was just all good matches the rest of the way i my lost in the tournament i went um i went 13-1-1 in the swiss with two buys i id'd round 15 with jarvis U, um good friend of mine uh, my loss in the de- swiss was to burn which is <coughs> a fantastic matchup for ant but um, the thing about Burn is lava spike always deals three damage and i kind of floundered a little bit and, wasn't able to win fast enough, and they just cast a lot of spikes and killed me, so that, that, that happens, but I did get my revenge in the top four. I turned one, which is more similar to how the matchup usually goes.
2: Yeah, one more quick thing for me here, uh, our own Andy here, he's been actually crushing it with like a variety of different uh, legacy decks, which uh, just goes to show you how uh, versatile he is, I think. He's top eight in the challenge with like Miracles and Reanimator and all that, so I, I do want to talk about those two specific decks, though, because those are very, like, not very, but they're pretty bad matchups for um, and, and for for a variety of reasons, like you just didn't meet him, uh, meet him
1: in uh, meet him in the Grand Prix. Um, no, did, Well, uh, I don't think uh, Raminder is a bad matchup, but I do agree that Counterbalance Miracles is a bad matchup. Right, Counterbalance but, AK uh, Miracles, like it has to have AK predict also. So a few things, but yeah, I don't think Raminder is a bad matchup. Fair
2: enough, well, maybe for a master like you, but like what I wanted to see was like. The the metagame ship like noted a uh, miracles enthusiast that uh, does like he, not even he's playing miracles and I think it's for a few reasons but like uh, great current just like kind of chased miracles out of the format and all that like, like what
0: happened oh. what, what was oh, your last time? off? Yeah, a bit at the end. Yeah,
2: no, I'm just I'm just like wondering because like miracles has been such a mainstay in the Legacy scene and just like poof like like Cyrus can't speak like what happened.
1: Well, the, the Mir- miracles isn't good against two mana planeswalker. Like planeswalkers are traditionally hard for that deck to deal with. The only creature they play is usually a few copies of monastery mentor, but snapcaster mage. Snapcaster mage does not line up well against Men and six, and you just create this card advantage engine that's like eventually it's going to ultimate and just win the game. And it comes down on turn two, and it forces you to have your like one or two of uh, council's judgment or postboard. I guess you have hydroblast, so it's like if the if the if the tempo aggro deck is able to play a long a a better long game than you it's kind of like what we saw with like vampires in standard or something you know where they get to play planeswalkers and these these really expensive powerful spells it's like what's the what what's the point for um what what you know why would you play a control deck If, if the fair if the more aggressive decks have a better late game than the late game decks there's not a reason to play the control deck so you need to warp your deck in a way like maybe I saw people playing four Monastery Mentors and just that Mentor. And then suddenly you have a reason to play this deck because you're stronger in the mid-game. You have a very powerful mid-game threat and a consistent one because of the cantrips and the counterspells and the card advantage. But playing the traditional really slow blue-white draw-go control deck, I think, is not especially viable. And all of the Chalice decks are traditionally pretty poor against Wasteland, except for Moonstompy. But all of the uh, Ancient Tomb Chalice decks that are, uh, you know, the soul, soul one, like Eldrazi, Eldrazi Post, things like that, are really bad against wasteland and now every like so many decks are playing a two mana you know of wasteland planeswalker um and then the problem with moonstompy is because of arkham's astrolabe so many decks are playing basics it's like it, it just is none of the none of the decks that destroy storm which are mostly Counterbalance miracles and um it's a really slow card advantage version of Counterbalance miracles and um Child's decks are just not very well positioned and so we get into this like kind of fair arms race of mid-range decks trying to out mid-range each other people are playing t- cards like tyrant scorn and a lot of Rend sixes and hex drinker that card does
3: not
1: have like i played um two two matches in the swiss where my the point i played in the finals was a great player and he was just like well the only play i have is just level up hex drinker every turn with all of my mana and it's like that is not a that, that's a modern horizons one limited play that's not a beating storm and legacy play yet. and so it's like Deck, and that card's great against so many of the fair decks. You're trying to play Planeswalkers and stuff. You can play this, protection from everything, really powerful threat. But Storms completely ignores creatures. You know, you don't, you don't play any creatures, basically. Um, and, yeah. So I, I think Storms is pretty well positioned. It, it is the type of deck that if you want to beat it, you will beat it. I mean, it's a combo deck. Like, you have almost unwinnable Chalice matchup. And if people just load their sideboard with cards, like, you're not that favorite against them. I know my final opponent brought in, I think, 10 or 11 cards. Uh, which is still a lot, but um, he he did not draw very well against me. Fortunately for me, game one and three. So, so I, I think Storm will not continue to be very well positioned. But it's uh it's always good to realize when it will be, which is when people are trying to do very fair things because it is a very unfair thing.
0: Andy, we'll have, we'll have you jump in since uh, last we talked to you. Were you know hitting up the the legacy challenge streets, doing really well. So, what did you make of all the GP Atlanta results?
3: Uh, it seemed to, like, mirror most of the the feelings that I had that, like, everyone's going to play these, like, same fair blue decks, and then there's going to be, like, combo decks, which, like, uh, I, Black Red Reanimator and also, like, Storm, same kind of thing, as I think they're pretty well positioned. Because a lot of the there's the fair decks, like Ren and Six, for example, exactly what Cyrus is talking about, it's just, like, the perfect card for people to add against you because it doesn't do anything. And yeah, then they also- counter spells for it, <laughs> exactly so like now all you have to do is beat like one counterspell a game which black red animator beats all the time and storm beats all the time and uh the the other side of the coin is like a bunch of people playing depths which is also just a pretty good matchup for both those decks so you're just in the position the metagame broke basically how i thought i thought storm and black red animator were pretty well positioned storm probably more so and i think uh yeah i just think it broke well for cyrus that's for sure but uh both those decks are kind of decks that can get hated out and uh probably likely it's gonna happen because people hate losing to those decks yeah it's like burn in modern and it, the second it's good it is the worst deck in modern yeah
1: i do think that's one thing more unique about storm uh i mean more unique in a nonsense phrase but it's it's able to win through more types of hate like Ramator is really good at beating like almost anything that isn't like Leyline of the Void, for example. But if you really want to beat Ramator, you can't just play a million Leylines. And if random decks like Rug Delver won the PTQ on Friday with four Leyline of the Void, it's like, okay, what, what are you going to do? You know? Um, but the Storm, Storm is able to ignore most things, but it's mostly like a, it could be like a metagame shift also, but still it, it is not invincible against hate. Like if people are casting Null Rods and and Trigger's Cage and stuff against you, you're going to have a harder time. So um, I think most people are going to probably cut their rotations and Coropolis for their Cyborg which is interesting because two copies of depth did still top eight the Grand Prix. Uh, I know that the Red Devil player, the finals Karak kissed his opponent, both post board games. And that's how he won the match. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how things shape, shake out. But uh, I, I think the storm is, is kind of, the list is kind of, I feel really good about the list. You know, I have haven't changed the list basically since M20 came out and I've, I've tracked, I don't usually track my matches, but I was doing so well. I wanted to just to pat myself on the back and I'm winning like 72% over uh 150 matches, and then a second in the PTQ, and won the Grand Prix, so I think Storm will, will continue
3: to be okay, but we'll see. What do, you think, what, do you think? Uh, what do you think of the Mystic Forge deck?
1: I think it doesn't have enough payoffs, is the problem, because I think if you know how to play against that deck, it's like, I, I don't know, I, I think that Sucerous is really good at magic, and that's one reason he's doing so well with that deck. Um, I, I think that deck just doesn't have enough payoffs, is, is, is kind of my problem with it. It's payoffs are for Mystic Forge, Karn, and then Chalice, and you can't really count Chalice as a payoff, where it's like, I think one four sill or one Wasteland is really hard for that deck to beat a lot of the time. But I might be wrong. I haven't played with it personally. Just uh,
2: before we move on here, just FYI to the viewers that uh, Cyrus actually fi- uh, made the finals of the uh, modern modern uh, sorry Legacy Magical Online PDQ exactly a week before he won the GP. So he was clearly on a freaking heater, but not only a heater, but he was clearly playing very well as well. So...
1: Great yeah, it kinda of reminded me of last year where I joked it's like last year I got second in eternal weekend and then like the next weekend or whatever we won the open and I was like, Oh well I got second in the PTQ, so I guess I'll just have to go win the Grand Prix. Obviously <laughs> joking, because that would be insane. And then I was like, Oh, that was pretty sick that that happened. But um I don't know. I, I think I'm as good at playing the deck as anyone. Like I, I don't want to like hype myself up too much, but I-, I do think that I'm about as good as the other best players, at least. And uh the deck was just well positioned and everything went it felt like everything went right for me it wasn't like games where i'm like oh man i need to top deck this card like i was just getting insanely lucky it was just like bread and butter like i'm gonna cast a thought seize and then i'm gonna cast two cantrips to set up my kill and then i'm gonna cast a thought seize and then i'm gonna go ritual ritual uh, lion's I diamond infernal to passive flames do it all over again it's just all my games were like exactly how you would describe how ant games go like turn four away with double protection through a piece of disruption it's like just i, I don't know everything just felt perfect all weekend the only game the games my deck failed me was against burn basically and that was my loss and it was nice to get it out of the way with like uh I I, I was talking to Sperling all weekend he's a good friend of mine Matt Sperling and he was like uh I lost a burn and then I need or I, I needed a 2-2 to, to top eight right because I started off 11-0 and Sperling was like well I've seen your 2-2 big tournaments before so you should probably be able to do it and I'm like oh <laughs> thanks for the of compliment um and <laughs> I lost a burn and I'm like of all matches to lose my first one and into freaking burn and then he was like, well and he was like, yeah, but it's a good way to get the nerves out of the way with you know? like <laughs> you had to get unlucky at some point this weekend, might as well do it now. And I was it it, it was true. Although I was just more nervous afterwards, actually, because how bearable would it feel to be eleven oh and then not top eight. But in a interim over were twelve wins top eight. So yeah, but I was able to <laughs> thankfully keep it together and 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 win my pair down and, and top eight at the Grand Prix.
0: I mean I I, I just wanna say sorry, like like the first time I talked to you, I love this. I love the the personality of the last time it was like the troll, the responding to John Rolfe thing. <laughs> now it's like you know I'm just as good as all these other. That's what I, I want to hear that and, um, and yeah, I mean I. I think it's important to know how you can win. Sorry to interrupt <laughs> you.
1: But know that you can win, but I don't know. Like people always come ask me like, "Hey, do you think you're the best storm player?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I also think I'm like." I do think I'm like the best legacy player because I think you have to think that if you want to win tournaments and it's not that I think I'm better than my opponents. I just think that I'm capable of winning any match that I play. Um, but I had all really good opponents all weekend. Like I think everyone played super well and it was, it was an exciting weekend, but I, I do think that like I have just as good a chance as winning of anyone. So it's like, I mean, someone has to win the freaking Grand Prix. It's like, why not me?
0: Yes. I love this mentality. And Andy, did, did you think of John when when I was talking about like 70% and stuff like that? It sounds like John in the lab as well for modern.
3: He infects oh, like me. A, a 70% win rate? Yeah. Yeah, well, like <laughs> it, it can happen. And uh, I think uh, Legacy is a format where I find uh, a lot of people play pretty poorly against me on uh, Magic Online and Legacy. So I wonder if... Uh, Maybe that has some to do with it, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, that's probably true. I probably was just getting lucky in the Moto leagues. That's why I
1: wouldn't
0: won the Grand Prix. But um, you know, <laughs> okay, Andy, Andy, what's uh, what has, does this affect uh, your deck choice for upcoming like Legacy challenges or, or tournaments you you might play?
3: Uh, I did consider playing Storm, and then I played it in like one league, and I was like, ah, I'd rather just reanimate people. It's just so much easier. Yeah, they're pretty similar decks in
1: sense that they're like linear eight discard based combo decks, but um, obviously different in some ways.
3: But yeah, they're they're, it, they're pretty unique. Like Storm is like obviously much more resilient, but like the resiliency in Black Red Reanimator comes with like the fact that your nut draw is unbeatable. So it, yeah, get, so, Stor- it's, Storm's it's, is it's
1: all well, but Ramen has a more consistent nut draw. Or um, Storm is really kind of like the best in my opinion, like turn turn three point five combo deck. Or reanimator is a much better deck in the turn one to two range
3: yeah definitely no i agree with that and there's there's sometimes with reanimator you have a hand that you just can't you literally can't lose you're just like on the play you have the chancellor and you have turn one like grizzle brand yeah it's just that is always pretty unreal and the new mulligan rule ooh, that's a good one for for reanimator i don't know if it's like the same with storm probably like I'll stall probably very good for storm but a little less good as it is for reanimator probably but storm can't really mulligan
1: it's a lot i mean like it's a lot easier to count to 10 when you start with seven so it's like it, it, the, deck, the deck does not mulligan well so the line mulligan was pretty i mean it was good for every deck like obviously storm has to mulligan sometimes sometimes you have no land hands or whatever but um yeah it, the problem is that storm's worst matchups are the decks that tend to be able to win on moles to five and four like the chalice decks uh or like i think it's a fine deck against reanimator but it's it has gotten harder since the london mulligan because that deck can win on has it have its net draw a little more precisely because part of the strength of reanimator is you have so many reanimation spells that if you can get a gristle into your graveyard that your top decks are really good but the thing was that storm was able to win the game where it's long as long as it doesn't lose in the first one or two turns it's going to be much better in like the turn three to six range and then after that reanimator is a little bit better because the top deck's so well um but now it's like you do lose on turn one or two a little bit more, so uh, it. Yeah, Usually in Legacy, it's like when my opponent Mogan's a six, I'm feeling pretty good because I'm playing a Thoughtseize deck, and they Mogan to five, I'm usually feeling pretty bad because usually decks that are willing to Mogan to five are, are bad matchups.
0: Uh, all right, let's let's uh change it up a little, Cyrus. Let's uh let's talk about some content uh stuff. I don't know, you keep on your uh, like recent tweet, you keep tweeting that there's a living document of your latest storm list of the Cyborg Guide. And last we talked, uh, you you were finishing up like six your sixth episode of a podcast. Where are you at in, in the content space, and, and do you have plans to do more content in the future? Um, well, my kind of have my computer not really
1: be working, so it's like whenever I try to stream, it just drops a bunch of frames, and I'm not sure why. Um, so I, I kind of like, I got a new hard drive and reinstalled Windows and stuff, so I haven't tried streaming since then. But I hope that works uh my co- my podcast co-host he hiked the pacific crest trail so he basically hiked from mexico to canada wow uh, and so he's been doing that for the last like eight months so he finished his hike uh today actually so we'll probably record another episode soon but i'm not sure if the show is going to be consistent um because <clears throat> a lot has changed obviously in, in eight months from where we work but um i'm writing a tournament report for channel fireball so you'll be able to check that out there uh, and then i also write for a like a blog website that my friend started called Manitutors. so i only have one article up there right now is about um, a now restricted vintage deck which was carn shops but I, there's a lot of really good content on there and i'll be writing an article for them this week probably so um check out Manitutors. yeah so and then yeah and they guests on podcasting you, know, you do like the podcast tour after you do well to turn kind everyone of listen to you talk about how smart you are i guess <laughs>
0: I love listening to how smart you are. This is, this is great. This is great stuff. And I, I think John and Andy are, are on the same page with me. Um, yeah, I've also noticed, uh, speaking of which, like you, you mentioned Matt Sperling's a, a good friend of yours. It's like he, he's, I guess, diving into YouTube content creation, making this Magic for, for Advanced player, Players uh, series of videos.
1: Yeah, that series is great. So the thing about Matt is that he was never like fully committed to Magic just because he... Uh, He's a full, he's an attorney and he's married and he has other things he likes to do. So he's the kind of person that plays magic as a hobby in the top eight to three pro tours because he's just really good at magic. Um, but he recently replaced someone on Team Ultimate Guard, so he is on that team now. And also because he's done pretty well on the professional level this last year, he is in contention for Worlds as one of the best performing like non MPL players. Um, and so I think he's been committing a little bit more to magic because playing in Worlds would be so cool and he's on a pro team and stuff. So. Uh, he's doing a little bit more content creation playing a little bit less legacy, vintage, and old school, unfortunately. And that's how we became friends is that he, plays, he lives in my area and we both like to play legacy, vintage, and old school. Um, but he still plays those, you know, and we talk and we were talking all weekend and he was, you know, helping me keep in a competitive mindset. Like I think kind of the difference between this year and last year was like Eternal Weekend, that was like my first ever big top A. And then the Open was my first win and it was a team Open. So it's like you get to take off a little bit nerves. But this time around, I was like, okay, you know, I, I really know that I, that I would, it feels like a little bit more to be here playing for pretty high stakes. And, and there's a lot of people and, um, it's just, I just try to treat it as regular matches of magic. Cause it's like top eighting is the hard part, you know, like winning 13 out of 15 matches is just unreal. Like you have to get so lucky to do that. It's like how, I mean, when you play moto, it's like how often are you even winning 13 out of 15 matches in the leagues? It's like, but then to do that in person, it's like, geez. But, um, but then when you're in the top eight, it's like, whatever, you just have to 3-0, like just, it's just like. Just take it one match at a time because it's like you're already I was already stoked to be there. Um but there was the changes to the pro system, so playing for first place was worth considerably more than it has ever been in the history of Grand Prix. So that was pretty exciting too.
0: Oh, just curious question. How did you first get in touch with Matt then?
1: Um we met at uh Eternal Weekend. He top aided Vintage and I top aided Legacy and we got dinner uh and talked and talked a lot, and then we have a mutual friend Eric Virgo who I did the podcast with. But Matt lives in the Bay Area, so we, you know, we, uh, we go to the same tournaments and stuff. When General Farball has its legacy tournaments or Eudaimonia has its vintage tournaments, the local game stores out here, we, uh, we go to those and see each other. So.
0: Oh, sweet, sweet. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk wait, about. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Go Sorry. ahead, John.
2: So <laughs> did you, did you make it to Pro Tour Finals?
1: So
0: how it works is the winner of the Grand
1: Prix qualifies for it. So by top eighting, you know, thir- 13 wins at a Grand Prix, um, gets you to the regional Pro Tour, which for the the USA, for the the Americas, is in Phoenix, Arizona in February, winning a Grand Prix automatically qualifies you for the Pro Tour finals, which is kind of the Pro Tour that follows the three regional Pro Tours. There's three Pro Tour finals a year. And from what I read and understand, every Pro Tour finals competitor then qualifies for the next regional Pro Tour. So as far as I understanding it, winning a Grand Prix qualifies you for the next three Pro Tours, which essentially almost no one is qualified for at the moment. So uh, pretty insane so so you basically this
2: is a, this must be one of the first ones in the season to have a new system you create so much value by just choosing to win this
1: one yeah i'm pretty lucky um it was either this one or Ghent. I, i'm not sure if ghent did have the, the same thing but i think the winners of ghent might have also be qualified for the next three pro tours but from what i understand i think the only people qualified for the pro tour finals right now are the ghent winners i and then the MPL. so pretty pretty stoked and it's going to kind of suck not to play any PTQs, you know, it's like, cause Ooh, it's like, no. that's a lot of tournaments, but it, it's definitely like a, a first world type of problem where it's, it's okay. I don't have to play in all those grinders or whatever. So I, I never had qualified for a pro tour before. And I've been playing magic since uh, 2004. So uh, it was kind of a little heartbreaking to lose in the finals, of the PTQ, because that was definitely the closest I've ever gone. Like I twelve three to grand prix, but that was after starting six, three. So it wasn't like I was feeling like I was going to top eight the tournament or anything. So, um, I was just like, oh, well, I got second, but who knows, i will ever qualify again, and then just everything went right this weekend, and I was able to uh, to, to top eight and then win, so that qualify the next three, which is it's pretty cool. Like I'm mostly a legacy and vintage player, but I do like just playing Magic and playing competitive Magic and, and hanging out with people and traveling, so it'll be cool that I get to travel to three extra tournaments, uh, and also, you know, I would like to stay on the Pro Tour. I think that I, I know that I had to work really hard and I'm not like the fastest learner. I'm kind of a slow learner, but I play a lot and that helps me. Like my my method is more of just one of preparation and, and more practice and just trying to work a little bit harder than than maybe some other people do because but um yeah, so I'm hoping that I'll be able to learn limited and standard and be able to stay on the pro tour. But anything, getting to play three pro tours is like playing one would be a dream come true. So I'm I'm pretty excited for that. You know, your Twitter handle uh, um, has the phrase "never lucky." You might want to consider it changing. Yeah, everyone always tells me that's kind of the inside joke because I'm extremely lucky. But
3: <laughs> Andy, what are you qualified for again? Uh, I'm qualified for Richmond. So that's the not the Arena Pro Tour coming up, but the one right after. i
1: yeah, that's, that's sick. It. You want to make escape shift? I listened to that podcast
3: i did I, it was the the first weekend it came out and uh i looked at the deck and i was like this deck was pretty cool played it through a league and i four one i was like all right i feel pretty good about it and then i just played which is completely the opposite of my usual like hyper decision paralysis that like i get like i get pretty upset and i get in pretty bad mood sometimes picking a deck for a tournament and that time i just kind of oh i'll play this yeah, I have a similar thing. Jonathan knows because he's in a group
1: chat where I spend I send almost all of my salt and frustration. So he has to listen to all my frustrations with decks and not feeling good. Like I know I tweeted like a few days before the PTQ, I was just like, I don't even know if I want to play more tournaments after uh Atlanta and turn weekend, which I already paid for my trips, so I have to go to those, I guess. But I was just like not having fun playing Magic and I hadn't I hadn't done well in Magic since the open, basically. And it's hard because it's like playing more magic does not it, you never deserve to win, obviously. Like you never like, you're, people always, like, people are like, people always, like, well, I shouldn't have lost this matchup to this person or whatever, but that's not how Magic works at all, and just by playing more, you are not suddenly more deserving than anyone else of winning, and I was, like, kind of just feeling, like, oh, man, like, I, I did pretty well, and it's, like, was that just a fluke, and then I was just had been playing every weekend playing PTQs, like, for eight months or whatever, and had not done well, basically any of them, like, just moderately well, you know, like, four twos and stuff, but it's, like, I was just not, I was, like, whatever, I, so I took, like, a two-week break, basically, of playing Magic. Uh, Before the PTQ, and I played like a lot of World of Warcraft, and like I have a girlfriend, I know my girlfriend. I like just did other things. I was like, I just don't want to play magic anymore, it's not fun for me right now. And then I made the finals of the PTQ, that's like my first event coming back. and I was like, wow, I'm just having fun playing magic and talking about it, and like just trying to learn and stuff. So I think a lot of times it's like decision paralysis and stuff, it's like just from stress and pressure. And it's like, for me, as soon as I stopped caring, it's like, oh, suddenly just crush it. And it's like, I wish it was as easy as easy to do as it is to say, it's like, oh yeah, just stop caring about these magic tournaments that you're flying to and prepping for, but that's I, Atlanta was like, I was just, I was just like, Oh, whatever. Cool.
3: And then it, everything went right. <laughs> yeah. I got into a tough spot because two of my uh, very best friends were qualified for a pro tour and I really wanted to qualify with them. So I went to a couple GPs and only played PTQs pretty much. And I top eight three of them. And then like started the grand Prix off eight Oh, and missed every time lost in the finals, lost in top four, lost in top eight. And then, uh, like 11 for the GP after a hot start, and I was like, oh, my God. And so I also did the same thing as you. I just kind of took a step back, took a break for, like, a couple weeks, a few weeks, and then uh, had a Saturday off, which I never have, and was like, oh, well, I'm, I might as well play this tournament. I'm literally I'm here already. It's on moto, so. It's crazy how that happens. It's like
1: I – mean, I mean, yeah, exactly. I wish it was as easy to do as it is to say, though. Like, I wish – I'm really trying – One thing I'm happy about is I I really do feel like this one's going to carry me for a while in terms of feeling like... I mean, everyone plays Magic for different reasons, but obviously a big reason a lot of people play is to feel validated. You know, they're competitive. They want to feel like they are good at something. And even my brain is not going to be able to convince myself that winning a Grand Prix is not sweet. So I'm hoping that I am content for a while and am okay. Like, part of Magic is you're going to lose a lot. And if you don't have fun when you're losing, like, at least a little bit, you probably shouldn't play because you're going to be losing a lot of the time. So... Um, I'm hoping that I'm able to be content with this for a while and just enjoy playing the game Um, not treat it so much like a job or something you know
3: yeah one of the problems is like when you start caring too much like the little things are able to throw you off your game because you care so much about the tournament yeah and I think that's like a slight little mental thing that doesn't happen when you're like okay with a loss like the like this is just the modern challenge, but I started 6-0 and then I lost lost to not top eight, finished like 10th or something. And I wasn't even bothered. I just like went on my day and just kind of hung out with my friends and played Rocket League and had a good time. And I think the, that kind of a mindset has helped me do a lot better in tournaments.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I 13-1 won the Swiss. So I was 13-1 in the Drew. And it's like, I, I tracked all my leagues just because, like I said, I only like tracking when I'm doing well because it makes me feel good um i think it's mostly not very useful to have tons of magic data but uh, what i'm doing especially will i kind of start tracking until i do bad just to hype myself up and um i don't know like i was just like well i would like four one a lot of leagues like i was winning a lot but then it's like okay two three i went i went to a weekly uh before before leaving for the grand prix because i like to i don't play a lot of paper magic so i like to just like play with my cards so i'm not dropping them all over the place and i won three the weekly and i'm like god i'm about to fly to a grand prix but that happens it's like it doesn't not happen you know um and then it's hope to win freaking thirteen out of fifteen matches. I guess. It's
3: like, <laughs> I love uh, I love your honesty with the keeping track of thing. Uh, I I sometimes will do it when I'm doing really well as like a defense tactic to convince myself to still play the deck even if I do poorly for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just I just want the sick brags, you know.
1: <laughs> but I was just well, mostly it was just like wow, I'm like winning a lot, but I'm not five ing But this list feels really nice, and I was just like. I might as well just write down how well i did Because I also wasn't playing a lot. It's a lot easier to track when you've played like a few leagues or whatever, you know. I ended up playing like 150 matches, I guess. But that's because it was since M20 came out. So that is much less than I would normally play. I usually was playing 50 matches a week. And so that was like, I don't know when M20 came out, but it's been a, a few months, right? Yeah, it's been two months. So um, over almost three months. So it's been like over the I played like 50 matches a month rather than a week. And that I think was huge um, in terms of me just not being so freaking burnt out.
0: are you you excited to get your hands dirty with with standard modern draft and all that um we'll see i mean part of it is that like
1: i'm kind of like a i'm not known as being a good standard player like actually my highest like moto rating and like paper win rate and everything like most consistent finishes are with standard like i just have played magic for a really long time and so the thing about standard is a lot of it is just playing magic you know like pick a good deck and i read the articles and then you're playing pretty straightforward games of magic for the most point like i have a hard time with modern mostly because that format is so unique and the people that play it i think are really good at it like i think modern is the hardest format but like jonathan's a master of modern you know like he just always <laughs> seems to crush in it but it's like for me standards i don't know for semi standards just like playing magic like you could just net deck a list from like face to face or whatever you know and then uh and then and then play it and you have a sideboard guide and you're just it's pretty simple combat and decision making and evaluating cards um, so I, I do like Standard a lot, I'm excited. To, I think Standard is the best format, besides Limited, if you're playing it every week. You know, like, what makes Standard interesting is the week-to-week changes, because the individual games are not always as great as every other format, even though they can be pretty good. But you see people like uh, like Derek, when he's on the podcast, like, he's doing week-to-week changes of his decks for, for a while. He was only playing one deck, but that was its own thing. So I'm excited about Standard. Uh, Limited is really hard. I've played Limited, you know, that was like all I used to play before I got into Legacy, uh, and I kind of struggle with it. Like, I don't even three kill Moto or anything ever. So, uh, I'm definitely going to be trying to play a lot of limited. I was pretty good at War of the Spark uh, limited. So, I'm hoping that I'll be pretty good at Throne of Rain. Modern Horizons was really tough for me, though, because that was a pretty complicated format. But also, part of it is I'm kind of like, I don't have a team or anything, and I, no one's qualified for these tournaments yet. Like, the people that are qualified for the regional Pro Tour are the PTQ winners, right? But there's been a few at Grand Prix and Moto, which is not very many people and then it's the mpl right and then there's uh the hall of fame but i don't think platinum and i don't think and then grand prix top eight top eight competitors so i don't think that like platinum pros or silver pros or gold pros are qualified from what i understand for these specific ones so it's like i don't even know who i'm going to test with like i think it's going to be cool to work with people but my friends don't play these formats they play uh they play uh they, they play legacy and vintage so it's like and sperling's on team ultimate guard it's like i don't I don't think Team Ultimate is gonna invite me to their team. Sorry, I I'm, I'm okay, but Reduke and Matt Sperling and all of them are also pretty good. So um I'm I I really want to find like a group of people to test with and talk to, you know, because I am not the best standard limited yet, but I want to practice, so I'm a little nervous, I guess, is the best way to describe it, because it's it's just an exciting experience. Never played on a pro tour, I don't know what exactly what it's gonna be like.
0: I I definitely hope you're g I feel like you should be considered by these super teams, but that's just me on the outside looking in. um it, it, well, maybe if there was a legacy
1: tournament, like those teams. Sometimes people message me when there's like the legacy Pro Tour. A few people message me, but it's like, come on! Like my, I have I have never day tuned one modern Grand Prix ever, and I've never played a standard or limited Grand Prix. Like,
0: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's clearly talent there, and, and just like how me and Andy, we we just we just gravitated to, towards John right away, even though he's just known for at that time for his uh, GP top four. Um, But it's interesting to talk, I'll use this opportunity to talk a bit about the the qualifiers and, and what we have going on at at face, face games, because I just posted this week, the uh, WPN preliminaries and and, and qualifiers for Montreal and Toronto. And what I find that interesting a lot, Andy is like every store can do it differently. So they could have it like be pretty open events and have the finals be super open but for Toronto Montreal, we've decided to host four prelims, top eight, uh, get free entry to the finals. And then the finals are only 32 players where the winner will get not only get an invite to the first regional that, that Cyrus will be at, but also we're, we're offering $400 travel stipend to, to help them uh, get there. So that is really interesting. Um, what do you think about that? Are, are you going to play in a bunch of those, Annie?
3: It's a good way to keep the invites local is kind of how I feel about it because those – I don't think I would ever travel for one of those. <laughs> it's it, <laughs> I just can't. You can't. I can't afford to take two weekends for like one that that's close. Like I could for PPTQs because like they were all within like an hour of me or like 40 minutes, half an hour, and they were on Saturday and Sunday all the time. But I, I will almost certainly never play a WPN qualifier like for the – the final thing
0: right because you'd have okay you're saying you have to travel hours just to try the top eight of prelim and then you have to go back again for the finals right you'd have to
3: it depends if like the prelims are sick value and you like do one on saturday one on sunday and i can make a weekend of it then maybe that kind of thing would be kind of cool Uh, uh
0: toronto's done that toronto's lined up so that they have it goes one two and then the next week one two bam again and and then their their finals is like later in november
3: Well, you know, like I could see myself traveling for that then because then maybe I'll just like stay at a buddy's house and play both and then go home. So I think uh, if they're run like that, then maybe I could. But like I do think that that system is awesome for local players just to get to play these really great events and especially in bigger hubs like Montreal and Toronto where they can support like that many local players of like high quality getting to play these like really cool tournaments. It's like getting to have like pptqs sort of but like all to yourself i don't know how to describe it but they sound really cool for people in the area that's for sure
0: yeah i anticipate like i'm i'm really curious how many people show up to these because again like the top eight all be qualified for a final that's a lot and depending on on how many people end up showing up to these um i mean it could be 100 players at at that point like it's going to require um some luck to, to get there even if you play all four. Uh, so, But that's interesting. But then we move on to something uh, you guys, uh, especially in the private chats, were wondering if the face-to-face games series will will become, uh, we'll get some invites as part of the series and I could say that we'll be making a post tomorrow, but of course I always give the first lowdown here on First Strike, which is the last we have three open pluses left and if you win one of those open pluses, you will get you will basically win a player's tour qualifier. You will be qualified for the first regional uh, pro tour event that they have, and uh, that that, and then one of them is in John's area. So, John, if you want to join Cyrus, you have to take down, I guess, uh, the Vancouver over over open plus. Is it, John?
2: Yeah, the the, the Vancouver guys are pretty easy to farm. So, uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, so I'll message you about Airbnb after.
1: That's the cockiest thing I've ever heard you say. Usually the opposite. <laughs> I'm, I, now I'm the one influencing you, John.
0: <laughs> it's a good I'm, influence. I'm starting to
1: track my matches, and you're starting to to talk the talk.
0: I love this. It's a good influence. We we need we need John to be more cocky in open space, not just behind closed doors. Um, so November 16, Toronto Open Plus. November 23, Calgary Open Plus. December 7, Vancouver Open Plus. All three. Winners get to, you know, go to the same tournament that the Cyrus is qualified for next year. And I think the Vancouver one's going to be hype. Like, you got you, Warren Smith, all these guys are probably going to be hyped to win this tournament. Marcus Tibo is probably going to be there to try to take it down.
2: Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure the Seattle folks will uh, – we have a lot of crossover in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm sure the Seattle folks might uh, come from over just to win uh, – try and win the pro throws.
0: <laughs> just to farm you easy Vancouver guys. They're like <laughs> – Get out of here and uh, just school and, and win a seat through this. So yeah, it's exciting that they they recognize the face to face game series. Even though, um, of course, for from for a geographic standpoint and attendance standpoint, like the SEG people are gonna get more. But they're recognizing different series in Europe and in, in different parts of the country. And it's nice to see that they're giving the nod to the face to face game series in in Canada as we try to promote Canadian Magic and and do more events next year. And and what's exciting is we're planning for next year. And we did one magic weekend uh, this year as an ex- experiment. And I think we, you should expect, once we make announcements for next year, more exciting things to happen, more possibly two-day uh, face-to-face things. So, I mean, that's a sign that magic is, is growing as a whole. As, as I think John is, as might be getting kicked out um, <laughs> from Starbucks. So uh, any last words, John? We're, we're going to wrap up the show
2: yeah so for, first let me say that i think it's very exciting for face to be doing this um when i saw the the potential of like a series like uh i don't know what it's called but like a series where that series can like award you uh for, uh, for birth i kind of hope that face to face will have it so like, i think it's very cool um i think that like given that i have friends in toronto and montreal um, I, I might just fly into one of these like next year as well so i think it's very cool um also like let me let me just have one quick rant here um uh, I think we've had too much positive, positivity and almost um, uh, too Thomas- <laughs> celebratory. So let me just like tell my own story, my own anecdote. Okay, you know, I, I didn't even have pro tour aspirations when I talked for the Grand Prix trial, and I, I didn't have expectations. And my pro tour Richmond uh, experience was not great. It was like actually pretty awful looking back. I only didn't feel it this way because I didn't have expectations. No one from my um, no one from Vancouver qualified. I didn't have a team. I wasn't. Well known to or have Twitter Cloud even like garner a team or anything. So I tested everything online. Um, I didn't know anyone in Richmond. And um, Richmond, as anyone everyone knows, is the pinnacle of culture and sophistication. And the city was great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, no, I didn't. And the, the whole, the whole. It was cool to make it, but I really, I really wasted my opportunity. Now that I'm more developed as a magic player, I wish I could get there, um, get there again. So I guess my, my advice to you, Cyrus, is like. You know, you have a lot. You know, a lot of people on the internet. Like Twitter is great. You know, you have a lot of contacts. Find a great, uh, great uh, a group of people who who will trust you with like testing the testing process. You know, share your ideas, have the same goals. You know, just I was in the chat for. Uh, pro To barcelona when uh sean, uh sean Gifford sean Dollywall on dolly wall daniel etc et they were all there uh, a group of canadian players and you know i really think that without even without a uh, super team there's so much information for on twitter and, and on social media right now i think like us like common people that are uh, without a real super team does have a chance so
1: yeah definitely it's just I hard think- right now because no one's qualified yet. because the regular pro teams are not auto qualified for this one so i'll have to see after richmond who because some richmond people are going to qualify from that and then start reaching out but luckily it kind of a unique situation where the pro tour is not for uh five months it's not till february so uh, i qualified for one pretty far in advance because this is like the first one of this cycle kind of you know this again i believe so yeah so if anyone is interested in talking is qualified for this or will be and wants to talk about magic you know i know i'm known as a legacy vintage specialist but i think i have a decent mind for magic and uh yeah, so re- reach out, and I'm going to be trying to improve at those formats, and hopefully do pretty well at one of the next <laughs> three pro tours, I, like qualified for, which is insane. so <laughs> I can't believe it.
2: Yeah, let me let me just vouch for Cyrus here. I talk to him like pretty much every day. He's got a great like analytical, matched mind, oh, cool. and yeah, don't don't waste your first pro tour bird like me. I pretty much wasted it. I have no chance, and I got farmed. So.
1: Well, just go back. <laughs> just get back there, dude. Then
2: he'll
0: be okay. <laughs> So, man, when John says he got farmed that's just too funny <laughs> <laughs> I got farmed um so no but like I think I think if people just listen to your thought process and don't come away with like man i I probably want this guy on my team i I don't know what to say um John John will we'll let you go i guess I'll talk to you later john or or if you're not gone already um he's gone Cyrus thank you so much for coming on again and I hope Actually, I want you to, hopefully we'll, we'll get you back on right before, maybe in the time area right before you the, the regional, the first regional players tour and see uh, what you've been up to then. Uh, that would be an awesome treat uh, if we can get you yeah, back on. Yeah, or maybe I'll
1: win Grand Prix Bologna or Eternal Weekend and then you'll have to have me on again, right?
0: So I think, try
1: to go do that, I guess.
0: I think pretty good odds you're going to do pr- pretty well um, at Eternal Weekend, especially, knowing your track record. So, uh, yeah, Bologna is a legacy, so. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm hoping I do okay, but fingers trust, I mean it's
1: so hard to win one grand prix let alone ever make the top of another one so we'll see but uh yeah thanks for having me on it was great as always and i enjoy the cast so the, the,
0: the simulator the simulation says there's a good chance to <laughs> thanks for Why coming andy? on right, bye that was cyrus corman gill oh man great show great guest great guy i mean reminds me a lot of of when we when we first met final nub uh, andy like um just someone yeah
3: he's got that vibe of like they just work really really hard and much harder than i would (laughs) ever work they like have side work guides written out for everyone doing all this like free content on the internet like i I, like like good job i could never do it
0: i feel like it's almost i feel like i i'm I'm thinking of Moneyball. like how could not someone not pick like these guys and like form this like underrated super team because these guys obviously I have an insane amount of talent and uh, um, I mean, I, if I was qualified and I had a room of, of, of people like him and, and John, that would be sick. So any final words for you, Eddie? Uh,
3: no, I just uh, ordered a full modern deck on face to <laughs>
0: Which one?
3: I ordered bring to light scapeshift. I think that's what I'm going to play. And uh, I think my uh, list is unique. Actually, I, I'm no longer playing the ice Fan that everyone was playing, and was trying to convince me it was good. I tried it a whole bunch, and I think it's just bad. So I'm just playing grow spiral instead, and I've just been doing very well. So for... I think that's what I'm going to end up playing for the, all the PTQs at uh, GP Montreal.
0: Okay, that's in in two weeks, basically.
3: Yeah, not this weekend, but next weekend I'll see your beautiful face, car.
0: All right, and uh, you know, hopefully, like it's always tough to again. Organize these, these get-togethers because, man, there's just so many variables. So, like, some people are doing well, so they don't want to hang out Saturday night. Understandably, if they go XO or X1, they want to be uh, staying out too late. And then sometimes you the group is just too big. Like, you have, like, 30 people that just want to yeah, hang oh, out. We're,
3: we're doing it this time, car. Usually, I go with, like, a car full of guys, so... And like you, you don't, you're not really that like you're not really friends with the rest of them. So it'd be weird to like bring all these different friends groups together. But this time it's just me and Elliot, so we're going. Car, you, me, Phil, Sam's, and the First Strike crew. So, John will be there.
0: Yeah, John, John. I want to spend a lot of time with John. So I think like the ideal. The one night that's, like, the best is pr- – are, are you coming in early? Like, the best – oh, yeah, you are if you're playing all the all the qualifiers. Yeah, like. I'm
3: coming in Friday for sure. I'm not sure if it'll be in time for the Friday PTQ, but I am certainly coming in Friday.
0: Okay, so I think Friday night seems to be, like, usually, like, the best time to for, for a good meetup and not to have – like, the mix of not too many people because not everyone's there yet, and then – so – also there's like no pressure
3: yet, right? Like so the people are like eight one in the GP but like, I need to get some sleep, I'm super tired. Right. But that hasn't happened yet.
0: Right. So I think for for that probably gonna pick um if it's if the venue is the same place, probably gonna pick someplace close. Uh I know but Phil Sam's a foodie, that's the thing. He wants he wants he wants to taste different things, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I will. I will think. hard. yeah. Uh, David and Chad Cyrus are already coming, gone, and r- wrapping up. Again, if you want to support the show, go to Patreon.com/slash First Strike, or just subscribe to the podcast. Tell people about it. Just tweet about it once. If you've been a long time listener, just like hey, you like the show, and tag us, and and that's enough. That's more than enough. That does a lot more than you think it does. Uh, I know people say that, but it's actually fact. And with that, I will see you next week. And we will see you next week and hopefully I see some of you at magic fest Montreal and uh, yeah, feel free to chat with any of us at follow us on Twitter at KYT magic at any awkward at final nub. And uh, yeah, that's all. Thanks for tuning in Whether you're on Facebook, Twitch or Periscope Twitter anywhere and much love to everyone. Ciao guys.